Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Jack. Jack O'Hara. Boy, you asked me some interesting questions, my man. It's a great question, Jack. Jack, hey, it's Josh Ryder. Hey there, Jack O'Hara. It's Johnny Damon. Jack, you had questions for me. Jack O'Hara? Absolutely. This message is for Jack O'Hara. Jack, how are you? Hey, Jack. Jack, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's going on, Jack? Uh, listen, man, you know, you, you, you asked me a couple questions. Broadcasting around the world, you're listening to The O Show. In the show and uh, doing your thing, I mean, you've got some pretty big name guests. I've seen your, your stuff, so congratulations on your success. Jack O'Hara. Much nicer guy than Conan O'Brien with much better interviewing skills. Don't forget to share this episode on your social media. Now, let's get to it. I'm so bummed. I forgot to get my girl tickets for the show tomorrow, and now it's sold out. It's her freaking birthday. Oh, dude. She's definitely going to break up with you. She's definitely going to break up with me. Should have used TickPick. Wait, what'd you say? TickPick. Look. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? There are no hidden fees. What'd you guys think I said? Oh, TickPick. I thought you said TickPick. No hidden fees. Download today. This is episode 353 of The O Show. I'm your host, Jack O'Hara. Episode 2 in the brand new studio. I just want to give a quick shout out and thanks to Alex Clancy, the host of the Locked On Cardinals podcast, as well as a Fox Sports Radio on our personality for coming on the show in studio. Last week, that episode is up, episode 349 with Alex Clancy. That was sports. We're going to make a big shift to the music scene today. Episode 353, they are Birmingham born and raised. They made the move to Nashville. Uh, a few years ago, and of course, they'll be on tour uh, in the States throughout this 2021 calendar year. They are the Brook and the Bluff. Boys, how is Nashville, Tennessee on this Wednesday? <laughs> <laughs> it is gorgeous. No humidity? Perfect. Because, again, it's down south. I'm, uh, the humidity this time of year, I know it's still May, right? So it can't be that bad. Yeah, it is. It's not that bad yet. It's it perfect, like 60 something degrees. No humidity, not a cloud in the sky. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was telling you before we went on, my my brother just moved to Nashville. He's loving it out there, living on the strip. It's it's more, I know you guys have said in interviews, it's more of a rock and roll town these days than it is country, right? Yes and no. I think country is still alive and well, but I think country kind of stays in its own world. Um, But East Nashville is definitely a lot of rock and roll and indie and... Yeah, you'll find you'll find you'll find everything here because everybody yeah. wants to be different, you know. So, yeah. I mean, back in the day, new, yeah, new back, kind of sounds. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, back in the day, it was L.A. '80s, '90s, the whole Seattle grunge scene. But I feel like Nashville now, everybody's just heading there because mm-hmm. of everything, all the resources, all the business there. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. cheaper to live here too mm-hmm. than L.A. Yeah. or New York, definitely. Yeah, yeah. it's I, technically I, in the South, so people are you know kind of nice 
<laughs> maybe, maybe nicer than they were they would be in New York or LA. I lived in Charlotte for a summer and I, I can attest to that. People very nice. Things slow down a lot down there though. I don't know about you guys. I'm go, go, go. Like I, I have that just mentality of just go, go, go. Like there'd be people, you know, at, at stoplights and the light turns green and it takes them about five to ten seconds to kind of recuperate and go. And I'm just sitting there in the back, like my East Coast mentality, like it's a green light, let's go. Yeah. yeah, I bet the drivers are different for sure down here <laughs> compared uh, to a big city. Yeah, um, it's all gravy. So you guys, the Brook and the Bluff, again, thanks so much for coming on the show. I know John and I were kind of trying to communicate to get this done. Uh, John, you're the guy that, you know, sets everything up. You're you're the accountant major, right, yeah. from Auburn? You, you, you basically take care of all the media side stuff? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yes, and no. Uh, <laughs> I definitely set up this podcast, but we're we're super lucky to have some really good uh, management uh, now that can handle m- more of that. But yeah, when I came in the band, that was a little bit more of my role. Like, having done the accounting stuff, like first thing I did was make a few spreadsheets and uh, try and try and book some shows, uh, and you know do all that boring business stuff and, yeah. and whipped us into shape basically <laughs> you got to stay organized so, oh, yeah. so the more oh, yeah. you guys have grown the more you've been able to again build up your team when it comes to social media and the business side because again moving to nashville i'm sure you guys kind of you know got familiar with that side of you know just not the music but the business side and there's a lot of people out there i'm i'm just a journalist i don't play any instruments i try i i i, I, I you guys know Nirvana? I could play Nirvana songs. I think those are like the easiest <laughs> songs to play on acoustic. Let's go. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the business and the music side of, you know, they, they mesh and it, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. Like you guys trust who you're working with and you guys like made sure that you weren't getting, you know, screwed over in a sense because there's a lot of people out there that say the business side could be very toxic, at least back in the day. Yes. Yeah. For sure. I think there's just a lot to learn. Yeah. That most musicians don't have a clue about when they when they first start. Um, which uh-huh. we kind of started doing when you started like John basically become our became our de facto manager when we first started and kind of learned as much as he could and we could about the whole band. But I think when you hit a certain point as a band, you want to focus on the music and playing shows and touring. And so having someone else that is really good at the mm-hmm. managerial stuff just only helps you like stay functional in the long run you know oh yeah when 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 was the uh, first time that the four of you played together because i know alec and joseph you guys started the group but with the four of you when was the first time you actually played in front of a live crowd it was january it was that odie's gig right or no 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 well actually with fred it was with me with me like which was not which is after like everything had really got to go but it was in tuscaloosa it was green water yeah, oh yeah. And then the, yeah. And then the next night was a UAB sorority formal, so that was. Oh yeah. <laughs> we kind of Fred like filled in as a bassist randomly here and there at first. Mm-hmm. Um, bassists are bassists are the hardest um, band member to hold on to. <laughs> so he was kind of on and off again. And wait, wait, Alec and Fred, you guys actually grew up together next door, right? You guys were next, next door, door neighbors? neighbors. Oh yeah. Yep. We would yeah. walk to elementary school and then junior high school for gosh i mean nine years oh yeah pretty much we took piano lessons together and quit piano lessons together yeah (laughs) we're in a church band and stuff but yeah and actually we went um fred myself and john went to the same high school Mm -hmm. as well and sang in choir together Mm -hmm. um and we could see joseph 
from across town. He went to uh, the rival school. <laughs> uh, Uber. Yeah, they had my location. We didn't know each other yet, but I gave him my last year. Well, we can hear your voice. <laughs> Did you guys all go to college together? Were you guys all at Auburn? Three of us. Auburn okay. Fred. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's where Joseph and I actually met was at Auburn and started actually playing music together. Yeah. I mean, that's nuts. I mean, you were just saying, you know, playing in front of fraternities and playing in front of, you know, a young crowd, that's got to be sick because people will resonate with you. People are going to, you know, basically, they're going to have your back right away in that right. sense. How yeah. how early on did you guys, you know, play your own stuff? Because I know you did a lot of cover stuff um, growing up, you know, growing up. But what was one of the, like, yeah. the first original songs that you guys wrote? And it really stuck. It really resonated with people. You know, people could listen to it and be like, man, I love this music. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say that uh, any of our songs resonated with people right off of the bat. Yeah. Um, I think it was kind of this deal where we were playing gigs and we had a few songs and we'd just slip them in there uh, in between a bunch of a bunch of cover songs. And then if somebody asked us after the set, which one, like, hey, who played this one that went like this? And it turned out to be our song that we considered that kind of a win. That was a big uh, I think uh, we, you know, we like recorded the first three songs we recorded were Straws, A Little Change of Pace, and Rush, and we did them in one day and we put them on SoundCloud and then we had CDs and I guess the person that it really mattered that that CD got to was John because he heard it and then he wanted to join. Yeah. <laughs> yes. The missing uh, piece to the puzzle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the, the major label guy in the back. Yeah. <laughs> no, but one of the first ones, well, when we actually recorded Masks as a full band, um, we were kind of still playing cover gigs around, but since we had that, like, full band recording out, that was, like, the next few cover gigs that we played after that. It was fun to, like, whip that out full band and have people there and hear it and love it because it, it had already been kind of, like, spreading around uh, Birmingham and the Southeast. Yeah. So what were your guys' plans going into school? Because obviously musicians, but at the same time, like, was there a plan B for you guys? I know, John, like, you were kind of, you know, deciding on whether, you know, join the band or, you know, have a plan B, have more of, like, a simple life, you know, consistent salary, consistent money, and then, you know, just go from there. So when did you decide, like, okay, I'm all in, I'm doing this? Um, I, okay, so I was in my... Uh, uh, fifth year at Auburn doing a master's in accounting. Mm-hmm. And that's actually when I saw Joseph and Alec play as an acoustic duo as, as the Brook and the Bluff. Um, and at that time I was kind of, um, at that time, at, uh, <laughs> at that time I was kind of, um, still just, you know, looking to do accounting and thought, but at the same time I knew Joseph and Alec and thought, Oh, it could be fun to like add in with them and play, um, play percussion, uh, and just, like, play some fun gigs over the summer. But as soon as we started playing together, we started, you know, obviously they showed me some original stuff they had written. Um, and so I think the process of hearing that original stuff and then also taking it and working it out as a full band, it it kind of got the wheels in my mind turning, thinking, oh, okay, if I'm ever going to try to do the original music thing, it's definitely going to be with, with these two. Um, and... I vividly remember, like, uh, it was one weekend in, in May, like May of 2016, where we had, like, a few cover gigs, um, but also played some original music. And 
it was just one of those weekends where it was just it was kind of like it just clicked in my head like oh let's just let's go for this full time let's like see so so i texted alec and joseph and to see where their head was at in terms of like are you guys trying to do this full time because i am and they said yes and i said okay sweet let's put accounting on hold and yeah give it a go but for the longest time we john was fully planning on taking the accounting job so we were planning on john leaving without much of a plan for like what was going to happen after that you texted us and you were just like hey we need to talk. <laughs> yeah. We were like, okay. And then he sat us down in our basement and was like, guys, I didn't take the job. We were, I mean, we were mind blown too, for real. He, yeah. He made the decision and during the guitar solo of using. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <laughs> so a few yeah. years in, do you re- uh, regret that decision? Uh, yes. <laughs> no, um, definitely not. No, 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 no. It, it kind of in my head, I was thinking I just like deferred the job for a year and was like, okay, I'll just like, so it, it honestly wasn't like, it wasn't go back tomorrow. I, I could always go back to it if I needed it. But in that year, it obviously became clear that, okay, this is something and it's going to take more than a year to, um figure out how to continue like building it from the ground up so that's what we did yeah we just got to a point where didn't need to call the accounting people back um yeah but yeah do what yeah. you love man do yeah. what you love the money will come that's what my mom keeps telling me i yeah. do this show for for nothing so right you're saying that the money's going to come we'll see <laughs> yeah, yeah hope you're watching mom uh, but you know, you guys talked about you know you're going on tour this year finally you know I'm sure as well as for all musicians it was very tough these past few months year and a half whatever how long it was I feel like it's ending but it might not be ending I really don't know are you guys vaccinated is that is that a thing oh, yeah all four of us uh, good for you guys I mean you guys are going on tour you don't want to spread that stuff but uh, <laughs> what were some of the early you know favorite cover songs that you guys played because that's how you know most people get their start you're playing live music you're, you're probably taking requests what were some of your favorite cover stuff growing up mm. oh, that's a good question that's a good question the first song the first song I ever covered in front of a band was say it ain't so by Weezer so that's oh, yeah. always super special um, and we have a cover of my name is Jonas which yeah. is like it's one of my favorites that we do. That's really. Fun. I mean, you really can't go wrong with Use Me. We <laughs> really can't. The, the problem true. is we've played these cover songs about eight thousand times at least. Yeah, so your relationship with you starts to change. It does change after a while. Um, I don't know. We, I mean, the, the covers we've been doing recently on the records, I think, are pretty special. Yeah. Like we covered a Sade song on the last record. Um, and on this newest record, covered a song by a girl named Karen Dalton, who... Spoiler alert! Yeah, spoiler alert. It's okay. <laughs> Album's coming. We're building the hype. <laughs> When's it come out? Um, we actually actually don't exactly know that yet. Um, mm-hmm. Still in the planning phase, but it'll be, it'll be this year. Um, probably in kind of conjunction with the tour. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you guys going to play any of those songs while you're on tour? that's tough i feel like making a set list especially like it's got to be when you're, you're playing every single night you're going from city to city town to town like i feel like you have to have a set playlist or do you guys just go with the flow like go with what the crowd you know is feeling that night mm-hmm. yeah 
I don't think we have enough songs to go with the flow yet. Um, yeah. yeah. We, we might on this next run just, like, have just enough to, like, you know, switch up a couple things every night or so. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a, it's an interesting balance between like, because once we get on the road and we're on tour, we kind of have a set nailed down. So we just keep getting better and better at that set. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, you want to keep it fresh for you. Uh, and we'll probably be mixing and, and matching. Yeah. Different things. Throw, throw a couple new covers in there, or we'll find like interesting <laughs> ways to transition between songs. Um, but yeah. And then usually like if we're playing in the city that we played last year, we'll try to not play the same set we played last year um mm -hmm. just to give people like something a little different and to make it more fun for us keep it fresh but, and there's also yeah. like every city kind of has a song like i think boston has dirty water by the standells which i know a lot of people will play when they go to boston um new york's obviously sinatra town uh but you guys touched on weezer like rivers cuomo i feel like is the king of putting out cover records like every other know. weezer record oh, yeah. is a cover record oh yeah we saw them in Birmingham, and like half the set was covers. It was all covers, and they were amazing. <laughs> yeah, they were incredible. <laughs> and they still got it in their fifties. Uh huh. I assume that's yeah. how old they are. Are they really in their fifties? I, I might be making that up. I'm like, if they started in 1990, it's 30 years. I mean, they could be. If they got started in their twenties, it's 30 years later. Well, that'd be their fifties. That is bizarre. That's insane to think about. It is wild. My yeah. uncle wrote a. Uh, it was like a 5,000 word essay his senior year in college for one of his um, final classes about how Weezer was the greatest band of all time. And he failed. Just because, just because my, or his professor said that it's just false. It's like within the first few sentences, she's like, I'm already done with this. Like I'm turned off. Oh, but was the argument strong? It had to be 5,000 words. Seriously. He says he still has it in one of his dressers at home. 35 right. years later, oh, post-college. Yeah. I'd be interested to see some of these talking points. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, when you guys come to Phoenix, I'll come out with the essay. I'll make sure he faxes yeah. it out and we can yes. read it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grade this myself. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's interesting. Because Weezer, yeah, Weezer's yeah. just one of those bands that every other record seems like a cover record. I know, Joseph, you, you, you did Tribute by uh, Tenacious D, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that, was a, that was Alec and I. Was oh, Alec really? I yeah. There he is oh, right there. Staple. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Look at his beard flowing in the wind. God, that is beautiful. Oh, oh my gosh. That's it incredible. Better than okay. that. That, 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 that was, was one of the favorites at all. Yeah. That was early on. And, and the first time we played it, we had never played it before. Um, and somebody asked us to play it at the bar, and we just kind of like felt our way through it. But we nailed the the like the vocal break in the yeah. middle, and that's when we knew that we had something special. That we were doing this, yeah. yeah I think that was, that was truly the moment. That when you ask about favorite covers, that's got to be up there. That's definitely on the list for <laughs> sure. One of the best. Are you guys School of Rock fans? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh wow! I didn't even realize that, dude. That's awesome. You can't, you can't see it. That's actually not related to the movie. It's uh, I worked at the real school of rock in Memphis, but uh, oh wow! But but to not get away from the question, yes, we adore the movie. So <laughs> one by one, favorite quotes from the movie. Oh, Impromptu. <laughs> Read between the lines, Theo. Read between the lines. <laughs> oh my I'm gosh! Not a fighter, I'm a lover. <laughs> 
Yeah. No I think, vacancy. Uh, I think the whole... Remember that one fan at the end of the movie who was cheering for, for no vacancy when they won the Battle of the Bands? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the quote that we oh, quote yeah. the most is uh, Dewey, this is Spider, he's replacing you. Dewey, this is Spider. <laughs> it's like if we're ever annoyed with Spider. It's like the half John, shirt this leather. Is spider, he's replacing yeah. you. Oh, gray in A minor G. Oh. That's probably my. Heal Me, I'm Heartsick is on one of my most recent playlists. We saw the movie again the other week, me and one of my roommates. I'm like, that's going on the playlist. Like, this isn't bad music. They wrote this so stuff good. for the movie. It's not that bad. Who did the music for that? <laughs> It had to be Jack Black. Jack Black and then Mike White, who played Ned Schneebly, was the director of the movie. So I think they probably worked on it together. That's amazing. Ned, phone. (laughs) Hello, this is Ned Schneebly. (laughs) I actually saw School of Rock on Broadway, which is about the most John thing I could ever say. Was that different, though? What? Was that different? It, It was different, but the most impressive thing about it was that they were, like, all the kids were playing all the parts and they were all like 11 or 12 years old oh. and they were, so they were like singing acting and like someone actually came out before the show to say that like let there be no confusion these kids are doing everything and so that yeah. made it like uh another That's level cool. yeah did you guys hear about uh i think it was the zach mooningham or mooningham whatever his name was yeah. in that movie he he went to prison for stealing electric guitars like a few oh. years ago. Oh, oh no! Yeah. I didn't hear that. But... Oh, that's rough. Which that's... is nuts. I think it was after they went on Broadway. Oh, oh interesting. But yeah, yeah. you got to know a little bit of trouble. Like, making that movie, then have a kid, and then yeah, I'm sure it kind of messes with you. What do you do? I know. <laughs> what do you do after that? My favorite scene was when he was listing all the bands. He's like, all right, who are some of the inspirations? Go. They're like, Puff Daddy. He's like, what? No. <laughs> the what? one kid was like, Liza Minnelli. Liza <laughs> Minnelli was one of them. He's just like, ACDC, Motorhead, Led Zeppelin. And everybody like, pauses. He's like, history of rock. He's like, don't tell me you've never rocked the lead. Come on, guys. That would have been the best class ever. Like, he's listing all the different genres, all the different types of rock, metal, oh, yeah. grunge. Amazing. Every time I see that, I'm like, I would have loved that class. I would have done so much better in school. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Incredible. He gives the drummer like the tape of Neil Peart from Rush. And I was like, yes, that's all you need. That's all you need, right? <laughs> Russian, uh, yes. Yes. That is one of my favorite movies of all time, though. That is yeah. one of the classics. And then there was uh, The Pick of Destiny with him and. Yes. Uh, Classic, too. <laughs> It's what's, a little more on the outrageous side, but it's so good. What's his buddy's name? Kyle. Kyle Gas. Kyle uh-huh. Gas. The Kyle Gas Project. How can I forget that? Kyle Gas Project. Oh my God! But that's Kyle nuts. can play. He is unbelievable at guitar. They are awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, to go back to, again, kind of to switch gears here, I was so happy you guys knew that movie because I'm like, that'll take up some time. Oh, um, but you guys, you know, doing covers early on, you're probably playing, um, at least the two of you when you started out, playing in front of who knows how many people, 5, 10, 15. I talked to Darius Rucker a few weeks ago talking about, you know, how Hootie and the Blowfish played in front of five people, and they love that, you know, starting out. Like, for you guys, was it awkward playing in front of a few people when you first started, or was it more relaxing that way before you really got going? Um. I think I think like playing for that many people at the beginning kind of really like gave us 
the like wherewithal to accept that we play we're going to play for three people in Raleigh, North Carolina, like two years later. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that it's like it's not you can just kind of turn it into practice and get and be more loose. So it's never it's never like a bad time. Um, yeah. Obviously, I definitely always want pe more people there. Um, but you can always I mean, you can try stuff that you don't that you definitely don't normally try. Sometimes you right. can find things within a, a set where there aren't that many people there that you would not normally try uh, if it was a, a if it was if there was more people in the crowd. Yeah. And, and then like early on too, it didn't like the sound systems that we were playing in were so like Moe's barbecue. I don't know how many people, how many people, even if there were 200 people in there, there were probably only four people listening to us. At any that was given. a thing. It, a lot of times it'd be like crowded and loud, but no one was watching you because they're just yeah. drinking and talking to their friends. Yeah. So the key was to try and turn people's attention. Yeah. That aren't there to see you towards you. Yeah. You guys get in, into any bar fights? Early on, or is this just a new era? Nobody does that anymore. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, I haven't. No, we've had beer poured on us before, and we've had. <laughs> that was my friend. Uh, yeah, that was my friend that poured the beer. He just uh, took his shirt off and sprayed beer all over the stage. Well, Fred, did you just allude to it almost bar fight? And uh, I did not a, not a bar fight, but I got kicked out of a bar. <laughs> it's uh in dallas tell us what happened in dallas yeah what happened well john what happened was uh <laughs> party, we had we had played a house show that night and it was actually coincidentally like my maybe worst show to date um, <laughs> like i was i was just i just you know too much texas water and i and then we went to a bar afterwards and i was already you know in the sauce and I tried to serve myself a beer because the bartender wasn't paying attention to me. In fact, if, if I if I remember correctly, which I probably don't, but he wasn't even like near the bar, so yeah, I just reached uh, around and you know, as you do, just reach around the bar, grab yeah. the cup. If they're not going to uh, give it to you, just take it. Just take it. I mean, I tried. I yeah, but uh, <laughs> all the, the next thing I know, I'm getting like shoved on my chest. Like this guy is just like. He's got me, and he's just like driving me out the door, and I'm just like, okay, sorry, sorry, like, oh, give me back. <laughs> like, um, really, the cherry on top of the whole story is that Fred was wearing this shirt uh, that said "Wild, Not Mild." <laughs> it just looks yeah, ridiculous looking shirt. It has and so a Ferrari on it. It's, it's so, <laughs> so that was the closest thing to a bar fight. That's nuts. I think so. Yeah. Times have changed, yeah. man. I guess yeah. so. Yeah, I I think maybe our crowd isn't like the the yeah. bar type of crowd. <laughs> oh I don't know. I feel like it depends on the town. Like if you guys go back on tour this year in the states and you go to a city like Boston or New York, or yeah. like Baltimore, Maryland, they might be itching for a fight. That's yeah. true. That's oh true. yeah. I could see, especially in Boston. High, but our music is pretty agreeable. So you know, I feel like. <laughs> It's, you know, it's just all good, all chill. So, you know, based on your guys' inspirations, I feel like all four of you are kind of, you know, all over the place when it comes to your different inspirations. I mean, everybody is inspired by the Beatles, I feel like, one way or another. Like, if you're not inspired by the Beatles, the people that you are inspired by were probably inspired by another band who were inspired by another band who were inspired by another band who were inspired by the Beatles, right? Right. But, you know, all four of you guys, like, what were some of those early on inspirations and how were you able to, again, craft and mold that into the music that you play now? 
Well, we are definitely inspired by the Beatles, like mm-hmm. like very like very directly. Um, yes. Firsthand, but, but we're all we're all over the place as far as like. Yeah. I feel like it's probably changed for all of us, but like, yeah. For example, early on, I was listening to just like, I mean, a lot of eight, like Van Halen and Boston and Journey, and yeah. then like Incubus and you know Dave Matthews Band and stuff really? in high school and John Mayer. It was just all over the place. And then honestly, later on, I started listening to the Beatles a lot more as I've as I've gotten older. So yeah, I know these guys. Have, yeah, one of my yeah. first yeah. few was uh, it was the American Idiot uh, album or record from Green Day. It was the yes. first thing my dad bought me when I was like yes. three years old because he thought that'd be a better alternative to like Guns and Roses and ACDC yeah. for some reason. That is like one hundred percent. Yeah, me and my brother. So like I, I dressed up as Billy Joe Armstrong for Halloween with uh-huh. his dyed blue hair like three years in a row. My brother would go as Trey Cool, and we'd be like flipping off our third grade teachers. We'd get in trouble. We'd get sent home. <laughs> it's probably still to this day one of the worst parenting decisions he made. Most thing I've ever heard. That's incredible. <laughs> definitely, definitely had a Green Day phase at some point. I feel like everybody did. Yeah. Totally. Their music just sounds different, and like that's that's the goal for you guys too, right? You're like you're trying to make something that you know was inspired by something else. That's how it happens. But you're trying to formulate a sound that's never been heard before. Exactly. Yeah. How tough is that? Fairly tough when there's only so many uh, chords out there. There's only, <laughs> but there's only seven uh, notes. notes in the scale. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I feel like the music you make is always just some kind of combination of what you've listened to in the past and what you're currently into now. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the, the most important part, I think, is just to like write stuff that you genuinely think is cool and genuinely interests you and then oftentimes it will also interest other people too. yeah yeah mm-hmm. i mean at I, this point you guys you know you have like kind of your set sound your audience knows what you guys play like if you guys came out with like a big time rock album do you think people would be turned off by that because i feel like a lot of musicians kind of experiment with stuff later on you know i, I think it depends on if we did it well or not yeah yeah, yeah. It depends on if we would like it really yeah well yeah what kind of rock I don't know. Bring back grunge, dude. Like if we did a grunge, like, album, saying, like at, at the time it was considered alternative. Like if you you came out with something that sounded like a Nirvana or even like a Pearl Jam esque, because I feel like that would be way out of your range. But mm-hmm. why not? Vocal, it's out of my vocal range for sure. I'm a big rock guy. That's why I ask. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I love some '90s grunge and stuff, but. That was yeah. That was that was what I grew up on. I have a that brother who's right. seven years older than me, so he got me into all the the Pearl Jam, the Smashing Pumpkins, yep. Chili Peppers. See, these are some of the covers you got to play when you guys go out to like Seattle and L.A. and all of those yeah. towns where it started. Dude, Joseph is obsessed with the Chili Peppers. Let me tell you, he's been oh. dying to do a cover for so long. <laughs> My favorite band. It's ever existed. Really? You should do a Soundgarden cover sometimes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> See, Chris Cornell was one of those guys that could play yeah. anything, right? And one of the most versatile singers out there, too. He was incredible. I thought I his know. most, one of his more recent records before he died, it was like called The Higher Truth or whatever, more folky type music, was probably one of the best records he ever put out, at least from a yeah. single perspective, because obviously Soundgarden was 
almost metal. Like, they were a metal band, and then they jumped onto the grunge scene with, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains. And then Audio Slave was its own entity when he teamed with Rage Against the Machine, or those guys from Rage Against the Machine. That, that was an interesting sound, but then when he went solo, it was more, you know, just him and his acoustic guitar, and it was just something completely different from what you saw from him the first 20 years of his career, and it was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah he's got range. <clears throat> he did a song with Zach Brown Band, too. Yeah, um, Heavy ago. is the Head, or whatever it's called. <laughs> he collaborated with a ton of people. Yeah. Cat uh, yeah. Stevens was one of them. Like, you do a song with Cat Stevens, the lead singer from Soundgarden. Yeah, completely different sound, and he made it work. All over the place, but we'll we'll see if we get to to grunge one day. We'll uh, <laughs> we're we're still not quite there in the early stages of our career. You guys do what you love to do, you know. Just keep making the music you love to do, and people will enjoy it. So when you guys go back on tour, when, what is it? Nashville, the first site, and then you're going to make your way across the United States. It actually starts, um, Nashville is actually literally the last show of the tour and probably the, the last show of the year. Look at that OG pick. Uh, um, actually starting with, uh, we're starting by going out west. So we're traversing across doing like Kansas City, Omaha, Nebraska, Denver, and then we'll hit the specific northwest uh, and down to, <laughs> down through California then wrap around back through Phoenix, Texas, take a little break, then hit the East Coast. So, yeah, mm-hmm. should be cool. We should uh, we should draw it on a map. Yes, but, uh, we should have had it written out for you here. But <laughs> you guys should just yeah. run a van and just truck it the entire way. Yeah, we actually have fun. a van. We, we, yeah. we own a van at this point. Yeah. yeah, We'll use it, document it, and then you guys can come out with a documentary afterwards just to show people what you guys do and how much fun you had. Yeah, exactly. True, yeah. We actually kind of had like where our videographer Noah made a little tour documentary of our of our of our last tour, like right before COVID, which mm. which we've released a few little videos from. But I think we're waiting on the last one to come in. Yeah, yeah. So having a social media teams for. Uh, yeah, know, exactly. Right? No, just, the other. We're the starting other. to run out of seats in the van. Is the problem? But, <laughs> yeah. you know? More stuff. Yeah. More merch. Yeah, I think we we will need to rent a trailer for this for this next one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see. So when you guys go out, you know, on tour, are you constantly just getting new equipment, or do you have to bring the same stuff, like same guitar, same drum set? Are you guys at that level yet where they just bring in new ones for you? Ah, oh no, yeah, we're bringing it all. <laughs> at any level, I don't know if they're bringing in new stuff every show. I would imagine the higher you get, your stuff just gets more expensive. Oh yeah. Yeah, and we just get more of it, like more guitars, more basses. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, not really more bases. You only really need one of those, but more expensive, more expensive ones. Three bases. Yeah. Oh my God, he's more than one base. One base. I have, I have decided I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a new, uh, I'm gonna get a new kit before tour. Oh my God, five years. Yeah. Yeah. Here we are. Five years in the well, five years of touring and like thirteen years of play. I don't know. Like you got that kit in seventh grade. Eighth grade, but I will say, I will say the snare and cymbals is one of the most is one of the one of the things that you that a lot of people focus on, and I have replaced those. But the shells are the OG. Are the same. Yeah. Well, I mean, God forbid it breaks like midway through the tour, you're screwed. Huh? Like God forbid it breaks like midway through the tour. Like you said, like it's an old kit. Like one hit on the snare drum, it just blasts through the bass. Like you're screwed. 
and just, that's it. That's just, it. Just not that's the tour. Not. Just pack it in. Back in the van. Back to yep. Nashville. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Do not pass the tour center. Yeah. <laughs> we. I made the mistake of leaving a guitar in a hot car before a gig one time. Yeah. And like, I think in Charlotte. And I just didn't, it was only for like half an hour, but I didn't realize how quickly it would like warp the neck. And so when we went, we didn't even get a sound check that night, but I picked up my guitar and the string, like the neck had bent so much. The strings just were like flopping against the neck and it was like unplayable. So I had to, I had to like ask the opener to borrow a guitar last minute, but that is, uh, it's not ideal. So I probably understood that I bring on tour. <laughs> yeah. So last question I have for you guys, I don't take too much of your time. And I told you before I wouldn't. So that's my promise. Um, you know, I'm having fun. It's a casual conversation, right? Better, better than any sort of media interviews you guys are probably going to have when you go back on tour. You guys got to come to the studio when you come to Phoenix. That would be sweet. We'd love to have you here. Absolutely. But, you know, you guys have been a band now for a few years. You know, uh, the two of you started it, and then you added on, you know, the other two, John and Fred. And how do you guys, it's a weird question. I don't know how to phrase it, but how do you kind of, like, keep it fresh? How do you guys, you know, not drive each other insane when you guys are going? Obviously, the past year and a half, like, you guys were in your homes. You're all in the same city. But, you know, when you guys are on tour, you know, there's a lot of bands that implode. You know, you, you saw it with... Uh, again, rock guy, Guns N' Roses back in the day, Axel and Slash had their moments. They didn't get back together for nearly 25 years. How do you guys, you know, in the short term that you guys have been together, how do you guys keep it fresh? Because you, you have been a band for a short period of time, but you guys have known each other for a while. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I, I like personally don't think any of our like dispositions and like the way that we, like our personalities, like I just don't know that we're ever going to like have a blow up on other you know i mean like uh, we kind of keep it light i mean honestly i would say the way that we stay doing it is that we just kind of like roast each other like a hundred percent oh yeah yeah it's like (laughs) i feel like the van rides are just one big bit yeah yeah they really are yeah we just don't like i guess like the only time that we take ourselves super seriously is when we're actually on stage um Mm. other than that we're pretty much just kind of like Shooting the, shooting the, uh, shooting it. What's one of the biggest pranks you guys have pulled on each other? Oh, I don't see. It's not even like a prank. Uh, I mean, yeah, we don't pull pranks. We just like we just mess with each other. Um, just, I can think. But of I think. A, I think. I think too. Uh, what is like? Uh, oh, the uh, there. There was this one time that Fred uh, or the, we had a Polaroid on uh, on uh, on tour, and Fred. Someone took a picture of Fred of him doing this and uh and so that is a famous polaroid that we'll just like hide in each other's like uh like i don't know suitcases or <laughs> guitar cases and then if you get got then sucks you gotta yeah. get someone else you gotta hold on to it until you get yeah. someone else that's easy hilarious. blackmail uh, stuff right there the stakes are hilarious is when we took that polaroid was the morning after uh the dallas bar night it was. It was it wow. really? Wow. Yeah. So I was not. I was not in a good headspace. But uh, mm-hmm. and it was. Oh, it's. It's documented forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, we're not like pranksters. We just kind of like talk, talk trash. Yeah. Try not to take yourselves too <laughs> seriously, because mm-hmm. in the end, if you can't laugh about it, then what are you? What are you even doing? Yeah. That, that's my but philosophy. It, I and I think yeah, something that like. Do 
keeps us like happy and fresh on tour is like we're all just really naturally excited to be doing what we're doing and that just creates the perfect atmosphere the perfect space where you know we just genuinely enjoy it and you know it it, it feels very natural to answer your, to answer mm-hmm. your question that's good. Just have each other's backs on tour again. Like, if there's ever a situation where you guys feel like, all right, things are going to get rowdy and you guys got to square up, yeah. throw some haymakers. Make it fun. Right. That'll be good stuff on film, too, if your social media team's there. <laughs> Let it go. Uh-huh. I love that kind of stuff. That's why uh-huh. I keep mentioning it. But, guys, thanks for being gracious enough to come on the show today. Hopefully, when you guys are out in Phoenix, we can get you in studio. And, you know, okay. again, my roommates, uh, especially my roommate Katie, I want to give her a shout-out. Loves you guys. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hi, Katie. Heck yeah. <laughs> thanks, Katie. Thanks so much for having us, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, awesome. Katie, this is really fun. Well, yeah. guys, this was episode... 353 of the Osho. We'll be back next week with David Meltzer again. Thanks to the Brook and the Bluff. They're going back out on tour this year with their new stuff, three new singles that came out this year. Again, this was episode 353 of the Osho. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.